Hello, everybody. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Michael Lombardo, and I am ecstatic to be here with you today to have a friend of mine on the show that I know some of you guys may know who he is. Maybe a lot of you do. But um, if you haven't heard of Eric Gilmore, I am very excited to introduce you to his ministry because I know that he will be a blessing to you. Um, But before we get into the show and I introduce Eric, I always pray and ask the Lord, like, what is the theme of this show? I always want, there's always like a scripture that is on my heart going into this. And I'm going to read from Song of Songs, one uh, verse three. And this is out of the uh, Passion Translation. And it goes like this. Your presence releases a fragrance so pleasing over and over poured out. For your lovely name is flowing oil. No wonder the brides to be adore you. And I absolutely love the book, Song of Songs. For those who have listened to my uh, podcast with Pastor um, and Dr. Brian Simmons, you'll know that it was a book that absolutely changed my life. Um, and so for me, I know that this podcast is really just going to help um, you see Jesus clearly. And that's what this is all about. The more we see him, the more we become just like him. You know, and so this is this is the heart of my ministry, the heart of Eric's ministry. But Eric Gilmore, he's the founder of Sonship International. He has a burden to see the church return to an undivided love for Jesus, glorious fellowship with the Holy Spirit, bearing fruit for the coming accountability to God. Eric believes that experiencing God is the very source of the authentic Christian life. And I 100% echo that and believe that as well. His mission is to bring the church into a deeper experience with God's presence. He is... Um, the author of several books. He's got a YouTube channel. He's a musician. He loves to worship. But no further ado, Eric, man, thank you for joining me today. Oh, it's my honor, man. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So before we get into the show here today, tell us a little bit about, I know I just shared a little bit about your ministry, but what do you do on a day-to-day basis, man? How can people connect with you and, and tell us your heart a little bit? Yeah. So YouTube has been a a, a strong basis for us, people hearing things that God has put in our heart. Uh, so I would say YouTube would be the easiest way to see what's going on with us on a day-to-day basis. I, I try to bring people along with me on my on my travels and give nuggets of what God is saying um, along the way. So that's probably the best way to get, get connected with us. Man, I just love seeing just on Instagram or Facebook, just kind of following your life in ministry and just seeing how Jesus is pouring out so powerfully as you guys travel, as you travel around the world and everything like that. But I know just from spending a little bit of time with you, man, and following your ministry, um, you know, I know the Lord set your heart on fire. You're all about Jesus. You don't want to talk about anything else. You don't want to talk about steps, formulas. You don't want to get into any of that. You just want to talk about Jesus, how he changed your life and draw people into a deeper, you know, undivided, you know, um, fellowship with him. And so just tell us, man, I know you have a background, you know, the powerful ministry. Tell us about how you encountered the Lord and how your heart was first really set on fire for the Lord. Yeah, so uh, God poured out His Spirit in 1995 at a church in Pensacola, Florida, and uh, busloads of people from our church, my dad was a pastor in Orlando, Florida, busloads were going up to see what was happening, and uh, through a, a roundabout way, my parents got me to go, though I didn't want to go, and when right. I showed up there, there was, there was lines that wrapped around the building all the way down the street, local businesses had set up all their uh uh, you know, their, their merchandise and things. And when I walked into that building that day, I stepped into the glory of God and I bowed my knees to Jesus. Uh, and it was Amazing. in that manifest presence that everything began for me. I, I got saved. I got filled with the spirit. And so from then on, everything shifted. I was a new creation 
uh, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, that's something that my wife, me and my wife had totally different experiences. I got saved at 19 years old after doing drugs and partying and living a, a, a reckless lifestyle. I was one encounter by myself in my room, but my wife was 13 years old. She wasn't living a promiscuous life. She wasn't, you know, she was just a, you know, she was great at school. She was a good girl. And then she went to a church service where the presence of the Holy Spirit was being poured mm-hmm. out in such a manifest way. And she began speaking in tongues. She began prophesying. She was laying hands on people and they were falling down. You know, people were getting delivered from, you know, demonic spirits and powers. And that was her first encounter with with God and it was it was a youth group <laughs> the Lord just crashed in on a youth group and it wasn't even a church that was like strongly charismatic at all they really had no, they, they, they had no clue what to do in that situation so I just love seeing how you know uh, one person shares their encounter with the Lord or their you know their their history or their story and like man I wish that happened for me but the Lord just meets us all in such unique different ways I just love his heart. He gets us exactly where, you know, we need, you know, to be to encounter him and to know him. And so I just I love your story, man, how you got, you know, dragged to a service down, you know, down in Pensacola and how <laughs> your, your life's never been the same. It's yeah. awesome, man. It's awesome. That is so true. One thing I love about your ministry and your heart, man, is you just really tackle that religious spirit of striving and you know uh, self-condemnation and I want I want you to talk a little bit about that because I was set free for me it was all about me hungering for God me seeking God me praying Mm -hmm. me evangelizing it was what I can do for him and I I beat myself up all the time it was just self-condemnation 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 guilt shame I had a complex in a lot of ways and yes I would would, the Lord would speak to me I had a relationship with him but it was very up and down based on my performance you know I I had this high bar Mm -hmm. that I was always trying to meet and then I was reading through the book Song of Songs and I just couldn't get out of it. And I had this vision, this encounter where I saw the face of Jesus in my spirit and he was smiling and it was, <laughs> it was mind blowing because, you know, you always growing up in Catholic church, I grew up in Catholic church. You always have this picture of Jesus, this somber view of Jesus. Like he's always disappointed or just like stressed out or just not happy. And seeing the smile of the Lord changed my life, knowing that he smiles over me. He loves me. He hungers for me. That is what really set me free in so many ways. And that's, that's what you share and that, and that's what you live in. I'd love to hear um, your heart about that. Yeah, so I think it's really a vision of Jesus that sets us free. When we see him as he is, then we can we can actually understand what he's done is just as perfect as he himself is. And I think that's an important understanding. A lot of times we can say, yeah, Jesus is perfect and he's he's wonderful, but we don't think that what he did is enough. But when we realize that what he did is just as perfect as who he is, then we can see just like we can't improve upon him, you can't improve upon what he's done. And so that really sets a man free. And I feel like that's what uh, Paul swings the hammer down in, in, in the book of Galatians to, to, to kind of call order in the court and say, hey, guys, Jesus is actually alive. He actually died. He's actually God. And I say that to say, that's what I think the root of performance comes from. It is thinking that we must add something to what Jesus has done. And if we try to add to what Jesus has done, then we no longer believe in what Jesus has done. Because if he really is who he says he is, and he has really done what is 
in the gospel shown to us that he has done, then we will say, wow, there is no way that even on my best day for the rest of my life, I could ever be as perfect as Jesus. It's important that we understand that Christ stood before God as us so that we could stand before God as Christ. In other words, his work is so perfect that it is matchless. And when we realize that, it will end all the pursuits and all the striving of trying to add to what Jesus has done or try to put our fingers involved in it. I remember Oswald Chambers wrote in the classic devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, that man is offended that God doesn't ask anything of him. And I think that's really where it comes down to it. We, we get to the point where we're like, well, what's my part? What's my part? And remember when the disciples said this to Jesus, he says, well, to believe. And I think it, because it's so simple, we get almost frustrated with how it doesn't make sense to us. We want to have a part. But when we really see Jesus as who he is, and we really believe that what he has done is enough, we're set free. And we're able to follow him and walk with him, not because we're trying to become something, but because we have the joy of knowing him. Absolutely. I think it just changes the whole ballgame. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And for me, it was, man, because I, I knew the Bible. I, I read it like, you know, from page, I, I read from the beginning to the end. I, I knew the scriptures and there were some things in the scriptures that didn't seem like they lined up. But for, for me personally, in my pursuit of God and in my performance and in my striving there was just these revelations that really liberated my heart and a lot of it was hey listen i tried my best to be perfect i tried my best to you know not have perverted thoughts i tried my best to you know live free from bad attitudes and from offense and i i was striving to just live this christian life and um you know for me it was too it was it was it was experiential revelation and it was just being grounded in the truth of god's word free from deception it was just like it was like there, there was times where i felt like i did not not deserve the love of God. I did not deserve to be used by God and the anointing, you know, and I, w I did something dumb or, or stupid. I just beat myself up and then I would see somebody and I would lead someone to the Lord and I would feel his presence on it. And I'm like, God, why'd you just, why'd you just touch somebody? You're like, how come you used my words and how come, how come you set this up? D didn't you see what I did an hour ago? Didn't you see how I spoke to that person, you know, 30 minutes ago? Or like, I remember one time I was punching my steering wheel. I was in my car and I said, like, I hate <laughs> sin. I hate sin. Why do I keep doing the things that I don't want to do? And I remember hearing the voice of Jesus so clearly. And he said to me, son, I am pleased with you. And, and, <laughs> and hearing that when I felt like the scum of the earth, when I felt like, man, I just I'm never going to get it. How's God? How am I ever going to reach my destiny? How am I ever going to, you know, preach to the multitudes like the Lord told me I was going to if if I can't get these simple things Right. And I just lived with that performance based mentality. But it was these it was these things he would whisper to me or it was, it was these situations that he put me in that made me realize I can't do anything to make him love me more. And I also can't do anything to make him love me less. He doesn't just love me. He likes me a lot. He you know, he, he he smiles <laughs> over me. Uh, he takes joy in, in, in who I am as his son. And that was, I feel like, a part of it for me. And another part is exactly what you're saying, realiz realizing the completeness and the perfection of Christ and his work. I started to see scriptures like, you know, um, 
us being dead to sin, that he, you know, we were crucified with Christ and that our old body of sin, our old body of flesh has been cut away, has been, has been circumcised away. And I began to read scriptures like that and they were just jumping off the page at me. And I began to realize like, wow, I've been identifying with Adam. I've been identifying with my old wow. self instead of identifying with the perfection of Christ and who I am in Christ, his righteousness, my new identity, instead of identifying with the last Adam, not, not, you know, not, not, you know, you know, the, the, the sinful self, like you're saying a new creation. And for me, that was huge. And I know you really carry that message of new covenant, you know, identity, you know, seeing ourselves as Christ sees us. Yeah. Yeah. I think if the viewers can just memorize this statement, I think it will really help them to recognize the freedom and liberty that there is in the new covenant that, that literally Christ stood before God as them. That's why they can stand before God as Christ. The whole pleasure that God has with us is based upon his son. For faith puts us inside of the perfect one. So God looks at us and sees us as perfect. And the question then immediately would follow, well, what if I'm not aligning up with the perfection that Jesus sees me or God sees me as? And I think that's the, that's the issue of the new covenant. The spirit trusted or depended upon works that image out so that we begin to be exactly what God sees in us. And, you know, and that's the, the hard part for logic because we say to ourselves, well, it doesn't make sense. Like I'm still flawed. How does God see me flawless? Yep. Because it's based, it's based upon Jesus. That's how God sees us. And the spirit is working the image of Jesus in us. But I think that's the, the beauty of this gospel. We couldn't even made it up. It's so beautiful and so perfect that he's filled all the holes. There's no loophole in this gospel. It is by faith we are swallowed up into the person of Christ. And in that swallowing, we have the glorious fellowship with the Spirit that works all these things into reality in our lives. That's truly amazing, man. When I began to see even like even some scriptures like where sin is, grace abounds all the more. And I used to think yeah. that like <laughs> Jesus was in heaven, like nervous that people were going to sin or something like at the edge of his seat. Like, oh, like he yeah, he did it again. Like he wasn't like, right. you know, like he didn't have all knowledge knowing that I was, you know, I was going to screw up this morning or talk to my wife this way or, you know, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. But it's just like, you know, sin doesn't, you know, move Jesus. He knows who we are. He knows who we are. He knows who he's made us to be before the foundation of the world. He knows who we're going to be tomorrow. You know, it's just one of those things where it's just like when I I stopped thinking sin was this huge, big thing, and I started realizing the cross is this huge, big thing. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it wasn't a partial work. It was the completed, finished work of Christ. When When I began to put more emphasis on him and what he's done, when I began to value that and deem that important and powerful and and nothing can touch it everything else is inferior i began to really just kind of you know not dwell in condemnation and shame and guilt over things that you know on on a day-to-day basis i you know i want to see change and transformed in my life i would i would just be like you know what that well that well that wasn't me well, Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that, you know, it's just that beautiful renewing of the mind, like not not even giving that any credence or any or any, you know, power or, or even place in my life, but just just jumping immediately to no, Lord, 
you know, you call me perfect. Yes. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You love me, you know, regardless of my shortcomings, where sin is grace abounds all the more. And just having that on your lips and something I love that Martin Luther said is that you need to preach the gospel to yourself every day because you forget yeah. it every day. <laughs> yes, that's beautiful. I love it. You know, a lot of people begin in the spirit and then they start trying to perfect themselves in the flesh. It's easy for us to recognize oh, there's nothing I can do to be saved. But then we think there's something we can do to make ourselves righteous. That's true. Or we think, I don't know why it's so easy at the beginning to say, oh, Lord, have mercy on me. There's nothing I can bring to the table. But then as the years go on as a Christian, we think we have something to bring to the table. And I think that's the essence of what Paul is calling foolishness in Galatians chapter three. He's like, you foolish Galatians. He goes, let me just remind you of something. When you receive the spirit, did you receive it because you were good enough? You think it's because of the works of the law that you got this? Yep. He says, no, it's by faith. Or he says, he says, you guys are so foolish. Did you forget that God has become a man and was crucified as to end all the works of mankind right there? And so with all these things merged together, once we get a revelation of this gospel, and as you said, consistently looking to the glorious person of Jesus in this gospel, then we can live a free, liberated Christian life that experiences all the realities that Jesus has died to give to us. But if we don't receive this gospel and remind ourselves of this gospel and look full into the face of Jesus, who is this gospel, and we have all kinds of holes in our lives, and we start not being able to see the realities of what Jesus has actually opened for us. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I just feel like people, yo, they, they get saved and our heart of stone, you know, comes out and we receive a new heart, yeah. a Holy Spirit heart surgery. You know, we, we receive a new heart that loves righteousness and hates wickedness. And so yeah. we have this new desire that we didn't have before previously to, to love him and to know him and to please him. You know, and even it says it says in the scriptures, you know, the, you know, the apostle Paul says, you know, we, we, we walk in, in a manner, you know, he's, he's, he's telling people to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and to live a life that's pleasing to him. And I feel like because our hearts, we want to please him, we want to know him. We see those scriptures and we focus on those scriptures instead of the ones, you know, previously where the apostle Paul starts off most of his letters saying like grace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are complete in him. And, you know, we, we were dead in our transgressions, but in his mercy and in his love, and he's just straight up just releasing understanding and revelation of identity and the finished work and who we are in Christ and who Christ is and what he's done. And then he gets into, you know, a bulk of the letter, bringing some correction, bringing some adjustment to their, to their ways of thinking, telling them, yes, and now you could, you could, you know, you know, uh, aim to live this way and do these things. I call it the twofold pleasure of the Lord, where it's like, we need to know number one, that he's pleased with us, no merit of Mm -hmm. our own. You know, because of what Christ has done for us. And when we're rooted in that understanding and that truth, then we can truly just naturally, effortlessly, what bubbles up out of us is this, this empowerment, this anointing, this empowerment to bear fruit. It's not the fruit of Michael Lombardo or Eric Gilmore. It's the fruit of the spirit to live in a manner that pleases him. And that's yes, just, I agree. it's just important. Yeah, because it's, that's what faith brings us into the promise of the spirit. So when a man gives up, which is what real faith is, it's surrender. Once a man surrenders everything, he enters into the promise of the spirit. And the promise of the spirit is the spirit working through and in a man. And once we realize that foundation that you just pointed out, that Jesus is enough, Jesus has done it 
it's all based upon his perfect work, then we have right motives. Now, when you pray or when you pray for somebody or when you do ministry or any kind of service, it's done from a place of full acceptance and not trying to gain some type of brownie points from the Lord or increase in power of some kind. We're free to be able to walk in link with the footsteps of Christ by the empowerment of the spirit. And we're free. I just, I feel, I feel right now like there, there's people that are listening to, to me and to you and they're saying like, yeah, I know he loves me, but I just don't feel it. I just don't get it. I'm not walking in this tangible reality on a day to day basis. And because of that, you know, they hear our stories and they hear the things we're saying and it almost causes them to strive a little bit more, which is like a natural tendency of like, what do I need to do to get to that place? And, you know, it didn't happen, you know, to you overnight. Um, it didn't happen to me overnight. It was it was a period of years where I was coming into this, you know, into this truth and this reality that 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 caused me to walk the way I walk. But what would you what would you say to you know the listener right now who's like just so hungry for what we're talking about for this experience with the Lord and to be to be rooted in the gospel in this way? I would I would encourage them to rec- recognize that they can't do anything. Literally, to quit is the answer. That's the secret so that he can actually be the author and the finisher of their faith. And they can, through grace, cheerfully surrender their soul and their body unto him like a living sacrifice so that he can come down like fire upon the altar and cause new desires, new quickenings, new life. But other people, I think if we don't come to the place of surrender, all we do is just arrange the stones on the altar and make it real pretty, but there's no fire. But if we will surrender, then what will happen is he will come in and he will blaze us with his own new (laughs) desires and new intentions and new empowerment. And he will begin to, like you said, effortlessly cause this thing to happen. And we will begin to find out that we do more accident than we ever did on purpose by simply putting everything on, on the name of Jesus, recognizing there's nothing we can do. He must be everything. And it's that surrender that that brings us into the promise of the spirit where the spirit can be free to live out through our lives. I remember Andrew Murray wrote in the book, humility, God longs to live your life for you. And that's the key. It's that humility that goes down low and says, Oh, come in, Oh God, and do it yourself because I know that all my efforts are filthy rags. Come on. That is, that is amazing. I, I agree 100% with that. It's just the reality of surrender, of realizing I can't do it. I, I need you. I need you and I love you and teach me. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a student at your, I'm a student at your feet, like Mary of Bethany, you know, always yeah. found at the feet of Jesus, you know, throughout the gospels, just this, you know, like David, when the Lord says, seek me, he says, your face, I will seek. You know, it's just this, I want you more than anything else. I want you more than fame. I want you more than a platform. I want you more than ministry, a family. I want you more than anything else. You are yeah. everything to me. Um, and the Lord is just so attracted to that. And revelation is birthed in that place. And, you know, Eric, I, I yo, dude, you travel all over the world, man. You travel all over the world preaching the gospel. You know, you meet so many people like as you as you share this message and as you just declare Jesus and break open the scriptures and, and preach this gospel. What do you what do you see and happen as you travel and minister around the world and point people to Jesus? Yeah, I'm starting to see that the bridegroom understanding is starting to take over the world everywhere I go, whether it's Budapest or it's in California, or if it's in Colombia, this 
man, Christ Jesus, is being seen as Savior. And what that specifically means is that they recognize that he is, or in him, is everything, and they themselves must love him as a bride. The, the crux of the issue is that the last time we see the church mentioned, she is saying, come. And this is the spirit and the bride together with one cry, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord. And I'm seeing that everywhere I go, that this is exactly what's going on. The church everywhere is recognizing Christ as the bridegroom and themselves as a bride, which means love, relationship, and commitment. The loss of everything else in another. The two, no longer two, one now. So this is what I'm seeing take over everywhere in the body right now. Amazing, man. I just absolutely love that. He's winning the hearts of his people. He's breaking off religion. He's breaking off deception. He is, you know, just pouring out understanding, revelation. He's liberating our hearts. And it's just, it's Jesus. It's just, it's just (laughs) Jesus. He died for a bride and a bride that would just be filled with his passion, with his fire. And um, I I believe in your ministry, man. I really appreciate you and just taking the time, you know, to come out, you know, and to, and I mean, and to talk to me here today. I love what you're doing around the world, man. Um, How, how could people get a copy of your books? How How do people connect more in terms of like, find out your, your itinerary so they can connect with you in person and come to some of your meetings? Yeah, so everything can be found at sonshipintl.org. That's S-O-N-S-H-I-P-I-N-T-L.org. But also all of our books are available on Amazon or any of the other uh, mediums where you can, you know, uh, purchase books. And also all of our music is on all the music mediums as well. But uh, yeah, we'd love to connect with anybody who wants to have us come out, do a school of his presence in their area. We do them in houses. We do them in in coffee shops, we do them in churches. They're always amazing. School of His Presence. Just tell us a little bit about that, man, for uh, people that are interested in in that. Yeah, so we come out and to a small group of people, and we teach that presence is the only school. <laughs> so yeah. we have to uh, take the time in His presence together. We, we take this time in His presence together, and then there God begins to meet everyone and break off all of these things that people have been carrying with them in life, burdens and, and condemnation and addictions of all kinds with his presence. And his presence comes in and becomes king in their lives. And they begin to enter into a daily enjoyment of the Lord through the schools. Oh man, I love that. That's amazing, man. And so you can go to sonship, I-N-T-L, you said .com or .org? dot org sonship dot org and hey man but as we close out here today can you just pray for the people that are you know I, I know people are listening right now and they're saying like I need this revelation in my life I want to walk with the Lord in a deeper you know more personal intimate way just as you feel led total freedom man just just pray for the people before we end the broadcast today yeah yeah before I pray I just want to say if you're listening to this right now and you're saying I want this but I don't know if I want it with all my heart or you say it's interesting, but I don't know if I'm there yet. I want to tell you that it is very important and it is actually okay to say to God, I don't want you, but I want to want you. And I, I don't That's think good. I love you, but I want to love you. So I think it's important to recognize that it is okay to vulnerably your heart and say, oh, Lord, I don't love you, but I want to, but you help me. The Holy Spirit will come in. And he will, he will change things. And I pray for you right now. In the name of Jesus, 
I pray that the Holy Spirit right now will begin to come upon your heart and give you grace, put upon you an empowerment, new desires, freshness of vision of Jesus, a love for him, the shedding abroad of the love of God in the heart. I pray right now, God, open your eyes to see him, to feel him. I pray for a living, vibrant, interactive relationship in a whole new level. Maybe you've been listening today and you already have a deep relationship. I pray for strength to strength and glory to glory. I pray for a yearning in the heart and I pray for a singing underneath his wings. I pray for a heart that bursts up unto God constantly. I pray for fresh love, first love, first priority, all things underneath him, for him, to him, and through him, in Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Come on, Eric. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, man, to be with me here today. I appreciate it so much. I believe in your ministry. I love you, man. You're awesome. God bless you, man. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And I'm ending this broadcast here today. It's been a blessing to have you guys here joining us. Um, Subscribe to our show. Review it on iTunes, um, Spotify, you know, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, the show is available. And so go ahead and review it. Subscribe. It just helps us get this out to a wider audience, you know, so people can truly be touched and impacted by it. But love you guys. Bless you. Uh, See you next time on Awaken Podcast. Awaken Podcast.